I want to put forth an idea this morning. And the idea is this. In many ways, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was the most human person to ever live because only Jesus truly represented and reflected God in the way that humans are designed. When we sin, we lose our dignity and we start behaving like the very animals we're called to rule over. When we sin, we don't love anyone but ourselves and our own pack. We follow our fleshly instincts and our visceral urges instead of the commands of God. Our lives become about survival and not about loving God with our heart, soul, and mind. In the garden, Adam and Eve start taking their cues from who? A snake instead of the Creator. And then Jesus, the perfect image of God, comes on the scene and he says, I'm not going to follow the snake. I'm not going to fight or flight. I'm not going to be a pack animal. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to be served. I'm going to serve. And I'm going to do what humans are supposed to do. And here's the gospel this morning. The gospel is that sin has marred the image of God in every single human being. But by the Holy Spirit, God is restoring that broken image by conforming us into the image of His own Son. That is the good news. And so if you'll open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, and stand for the reading of God's Word. And Moses writes... Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, show us the glory of what you did on the sixth day. Show us this morning who we're called to be as image bearers of God. And show us the glory of Christ Jesus in coming, taking flesh, becoming a servant, and doing what we, Adam and Eve, were supposed to do. Father, show us this morning what it means to be image bearers of God. And all these things we ask in your precious Son's name, amen. You can be seated. Here's what I'm trying to say this morning. To be created in the image of God is to represent and reflect God and to be in relationship with God in a way that no other created thing can be. Pretty simple. I'm going to say it one more time. 
To be created in the image of God is to represent and reflect God and to be in relationship with God in a way that no other created thing can be. Let us make man in our image, God says. Two things. One, image and likeness. In our image after our likeness. There are some scholars who will tell you that image and likeness do mean two different things. Most scholars believe that it's interchangeable. Some that don't think that likeness uh, describes more of the, the, the structural appearance of a, of a human. Um, but we're going to treat them as if they're un- interchangeable and that there's some parallelism there in the text. Two, what, is, what does God mean by, by our? Well, there are some scholars long ago who believe that God was talking to his angels. Most scholars today believe, as I do, and I believe we should, that this is a direct reference to the triune God. This is God talking with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is in the Old Testament. Another reason I don't think this is a reference to angels is because the scriptures never say that angels are created in the image of God. From the very beginning, God had a plan and a purpose for human beings that he did not have for angels. For example, God did not choose to save fallen angels. So here's my question. What is the image of God? In uh, Hebrew, it's zelim. Um, This is where my Kentucky comes out. Zelim, and then Greek, it's icon. Well, in the Near East, ancient Near Eastern culture, when a king or a ruler stamped his image on something, could be a coin, could be a building, when, an, when a ruler stamped his image and his insignia upon his, something he owned, he wanted it to represent his authority, his ownership, and his kingdom. So I would define the image of God like this. God wants Adam and Eve to express his character and his authority and his purpose to the world. In verse 26, the first thing God says after making man is his image is what? Have dominion. Subdue it. Adam and Eve, I could put it like this. Adam and Eve are vice regents of God, ruling on his behalf, in relationship with him, and representing him in his good universe. There are three main schools of thought when it comes to really getting down to brass tacks about what is the image of God, and here they are. There's the structural view, which means that we, like God, um, we have self-consciousness, like animals don't. We have a mind, we have a will, we have a memory, that somehow, psychologically, we are like God in a way that dogs and cats aren't. There's the two, functional view, that somehow the image of God means that we're to do something that animals don't. We rule, we represent. Number three, there's a relational view, which means that we live in covenant relationship with God in a way that cats don't. Here's the thing, I want us to get buy into this fact. There are elements of all three when God says, let's make him in our image. David Clawson just says this, It's evident in Genesis 1 that the Bible is content with simply asserting that man is somehow like God. And as we're going to see here in the weeks to come, Satan actually um, distorts that. Adam and Eve are set atop the entire creation of the first five days. They're not cavemen. We talked last week. They're not forkies. They're very intelligent. They're extremely powerful. They're walking upright. And Adam and Eve are the apex of the universe. He saved the best for last. 
Man is not the next Darwinian notch on the evolutionary scale. Adam and Eve are something categorically different than the animals to which he says have dominion. A dog is not in a covenant relationship with God. A cat has never reflected the character and love of God. I'm sorry. BJ, am I upsetting you right now? Okay, sorry. (sighs) BJ's like, you haven't met my cat. (laughs) I think it's safe to say that we have eternal souls, and eternal souls are one of the things that separates image-bearing humans from animals. Animals do not have souls. It's, It's ridiculous that I even had to say that in 2019, but hey... The common rebuttal I hear is, so you don't think there will be animals in heaven? And this is what I say. I think there will be animals in heaven. I just don't think your animals will be in heaven. I don't know why that's funny. It's just That, that devastates people. <laughs> and I don't want to make light of it because I grew up with dogs. Um, people love them, their pets. And I'm going to tell you, hey, Georgia people love them some pets. And we should love pets. Have dominion over the pets. Don't let them have dominion over you. Say that to a couple people. But they don't have souls. They're not bearing the image of God in a way that you are. And we need to remember that. Louis Burkhoff said this. According to scripture, the essence of man is this. That he is the image of God. As such, he is distinguished from all other creatures. I love this. Stands supreme as the head and crown of the entire creation. If you are a human being, you are the crown of God's creation. Own it. Sin seeks to eliminate the distinction between humans and animals. And the more we sin, the more we start to act animalistic. Hey, well, dogs don't have one partner. Why can't I have sex with whoever I want? You ever heard that one? Or, or how about this, the way we run our businesses today. Hey, it's kill or be killed. It's cutthroat. Or, hey, i got to defend my own bloodline. I, sure, I certainly wouldn't want to help my own enemies. Or I can't forgive other people. i got to do what? i got to bite back. Or we don't respect people who are weaker or less important than us. It's about brute strength and power. Those are things that animals do. Do you see how sin makes us animalistic? And do you start to see how miraculous it is when Satan comes up to Jesus and he says, I know you're hungry. I know you want to fill that tummy. Turn these stones into bread. Hey, I know you want power. I know you want strength. I know you want control. I know that your flesh wants authority. Fall down and worship me and I'll give you everything. And then Satan is offering Jesus everything that a fleshly human being would crave. But Jesus says, no. I'm not an animal. When God creates Adam and Eve in his image and sets them over animals, he's telling them, you don't behave like creeping things. You don't slither. You don't just survive. You stand up, you walk with me, and you rule in my name. There are people sometimes, you talk to them, and they're, you're, hey, how you doing? I'm just making it. I've said it before. That's what an animal says. An animal woke up this morning, and its sole drive was to eat, to gather, and to survive. How many times have you ever heard this one? 
hey, what's your goal in life? Man, I just want to leave something for my, children, for, my, for my kids. I hope it's more than that because animals do that. I mean, it's, it's a good thing if you do that. Please do that. Or how about this one? Um, man, my goal in life is just to get a nice house and a plot of land. An animal finds a place to live and it rules where it is. We are not animals and God created you for so much more. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God who created them, male and female, he created them. Adam and Eve are created equally in the image of God. They are different expressions of the same divine image, I think is the best way that I can put that. That means that women, although they are the weaker vessels, they do not possess the image of God any less than men. They're co-leaders with us, and as Paul would rather say in Galatians, they're co-heirs with us in the kingdom. There are a number of factors here in this passage that should tell us that manhood and womanhood are not artificial concepts, but they're real categories that God creates for His glory. Number one, after creating Adam and Eve, He does what? He blesses them. It's good. Second, He tells them to be fruitful and to multiply. Homosexuals have yet to make a baby. He's saying, use your sexuality for good in the context of marriage. Number three, at the end of the sixth day, he says what? This is very good. First five days were good. After the sixth day, this is very good. There's something in humans that was a little bit better than making a snake. Than making a cloud. Than making dirt. The first thing that this means for us in the church is, that, is this. Every single human being you meet is a sinner who is nonetheless created in the image of God and bears that divine image even though it has been marred with sin. Every single one. Every Republican and Democrat you meet is made in the image of God. Every conservative and liberal you meet is made in the image of God. Every ethnicity, every class, every single person you meet is worthy in some way of dignity, respect, and some level of honor because they're made in the image of God. Here's an even better way to put it. Even the worst, most, most wretched and depraved sinner is worthy of some measure of dignity because they are created in the image of the living God. When God sanctions capital punishment in Genesis 9, the reason he does so is not for the public good, but because of how valuable that image is. Look at Genesis chapter 9. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. Why? For God made man in his own image. What God is saying is this. Murder is atrocious because once you kill one of these things, you're attacking me. Meaning the way we treat humans, God cares about it. It's not, it is inhumane and it's wrong to miss, to abuse a dog. But there's something in abusing or disrespecting or mistreating a human that God won't tolerate. I've always thought it remarkable that God doesn't just send people, when you die... You don't just go to heaven and hell. What happens first? God judges you. He, he gives you an opportunity to give an account. God gives image bearers an opportunity to make their defense. 
And if you're not in Christ, it ain't going to matter. But you're not an animal. You can speak for yourself. And the judge will sit on his judgment seat. And because you're created in his image, he's going to hear you out. I think there's a remarkable amount of dignity in that. The image of God should have a profound effect upon the way we treat people and the way we talk to people. The image of God plays itself out in the news all the time. I'm going to give you an example. It is very possible to support and to hold firm to a good border policy in America because you want our nation to fulfill Romans 13 and bear the sword to protect our country. It's possible to do that and to also treat migrants and immigrants with respect and dignity. Even illegal ones. Let me give you another one. It is very possible to defend women's rights and also protect the sanctity of the womb. And the farther we go in American culture... On both sides of the political aisle, they're going to have to, they're going to try to make you pick. And what the church says is no. Every single person is created in the image of God. And we constantly have to bring ourselves to that fact because I'm going to tell you, humans can behave like animals. We all know it. There are, sin becomes and makes us so vile and so wretched and so depraved. That we are so far gone from Eden. But God says, my image is still there. It's marred, it's caked over, but it's there. The image is precious because God is infinitely precious. Is there any surprise that in our world we treat unborn children like objects? Is it any surprise that we treat outsiders like they're animals? Is it any surprise that we'll mourn the loss of a zoo animal, but we won't mourn the loss of dying people? Is there any surprise where we have people who want to get, a, we want to get rid of the death penalty because it's, it's barbaric? Our culture is raging against the image of God because it's raging against God. A proper theology of the image of God should cause us to mourn the broken world we live in. And we read Genesis 1 and we look at our world and we go, this isn't the way things should be. This isn't the way people should live. This isn't the way we should behave. This isn't the way we should treat one another. People should represent God and be in relationship with Him. We should seek after God and seek to obey Him, not run away. These are the reasons we have to come back to the image of God because we're meant for so much more. Leon Crump came to our, um, he came to our uh, conference that we had last year. And I love his, how he described the image of God. He said, in, in Eden, Adam and Eve, when you looked at them, it was like looking in a mirror. And when you looked in the mirror, you could, you could make out the figure of God. And you could see God in them. But when sin comes, it's like putting Vaseline all over a mirror. And now you can't really see anything. You can, you can see kind of a figure, but it's distorted. It's misshapen. 
You can make out a hazy object, but you certainly can't tell what it was meant to be. And that's what sin has done with us. Sin makes us less than what we're supposed to be. But Christ has come to restore our humanity. A world with sin is a world with broken relationships. It's blind to the glory of God. It's living in spiritual darkness. And it's hostile to the character and holiness of God. And a world with Jesus is a world with restored relationships that basks in the glory of God. It worships God by the Spirit. And it walks in the fruit of the Spirit. The gospel is a recovery of the divine image in sinners through faith in Jesus Christ, the true image of God. When we see Jesus, we see perfect obedience, we see perfect holiness, perfect righteousness, love to the nth degree, and we see absolute connection with the Father. Colossians 1.15 says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Meaning, when, when we see Jesus, Jesus shows us two things. What God, who God really is, and who we really should be. Everything we know about God, and about God's will for humanity, we find in the incarnate Son of God. He's our perfect example. But He's also our righteousness. He's also our salvation. He's the God-man. We look at Jesus Christ and we see God and we see Adam in one. That's why we refer to Jesus as the second Adam. I wanted to end with this. There will be days where I'm having a bad day. And I'll be at a stoplight or something like that. And I'll just be sitting and I'll go. And I'll look over and there'll be a dog sitting under a tree. Just chewing on a bone. Just happy as he could be. And I'm having a bad day. And I know some of you all have done this. But I'll look over that dog and I'll go. Must be nice. He ain't got a worry in the world. He's a dog. He's just sitting there. He ain't got no responsibilities. Somebody's taking care of him. I don't know who gave him that bone, and I'm sure he's got a place to sleep. He ain't paying rent. That's how bad things got to be to look over at a dog and go, man, I wish I were a dog. But then I'll remember that dog doesn't have a soul designed to be in eternal relationship with its creator. That dog wasn't stamped with the image of God. That dog wasn't made for glory. That dog's not me. He's got that bone. What I'm seeing in the dog is about as good as it gets for a dog. Animals are not capable of the level of evil that humans are. But animals are also not capable of the goodness and the glory of image-bearing humans. I want to remind you this morning, you're not an animal. Stop acting like one. And because you're not an animal, you have fallen short of the glory of God. Because you're not an animal, you will face judgment by the Lord, and because you're not an animal, Jesus came and sought his bride and he died for you. But you got that image. It sounds cheesy, but I just want to say it. You matter to God. And as 
deep as you have sank in your sin, you are valuable. And you're so valuable. We've got to be careful when we talk about value there because in light of your sin and in comparison with His holiness, you have no worth now. But you do have an image. You are created for something more. And every single one of us, unlike that dog under the tree, is called to repent of their sin and believe in the God-man. Jesus did not become a God dog. Jesus did not become a God angel. He didn't take angel flesh. He didn't take cat flesh. He took human flesh. He became one of you out of all the creations, out of all the orders, out of all the different kinds of things He made. Jesus only became one kind of thing. The Son of God became a human. And now He calls us to repent and to start acting like humans by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's come and believe in the God-man this morning. Let's pray. Father, we have value, Father, in comparison with your holiness and your goodness and your grandeur and your majesty, we're like worms. We have degradated ourselves so much. We've fallen so far short of the glory of God. We have sunk so deep that it's nothing but your pure grace that calls us now. All we have is Jesus. Father, I pray that for anyone this morning who has not clung to him in faith, that they may do so. And that for those who have done so, they may see the glory of Jesus Christ in a brand new way. And all these things we ask in your precious son's name. Amen.